All right, what is up, good people? It is Mr. Shot, and we have returned for another episode for the podcast. And this episode right here is what I told you. I've been waiting a couple months for this one to drop, and finally it drops today on April 23rd. Mortal Kombat. So, like I told you, I was going to cover this one after I basically watched the movie. So, let's go ahead and get it started now, as we all know. But for those who don't know, Mortal Kombat is a tournament which is held every so often. If a realm wants to declare war in a place, they cannot actually just invade unless they win. So, you have to win 10 times. If you win 10 times, you can do what you want. Like, let's just say if... If... I'm B and point A wants to invade my my realm because that's what they go by. They go by realms. So if they want to invade Earth realm and all its places, they have to actually win against my realm ten times to to basically invade. Now let's just say the ninth time they defeat me and my people. That's cool. I'm dead. There's nothing I can do about that. But the next set of people come by. They have to win against them, but if they lose, it's for not. They have to just win. That's how it goes. Now, I want to get a better understanding. You could always look up the Mortal Kombat lore and actually go off to some of the video games as well, since the video games go off the lore as well. Off a different lore. Because I believe, if I had to say, it probably goes up to a certain point. I think it goes into deadly... Deadly Alliance to Armageddon, and it goes to Mortal Kombat 9, which came out, I believe, on the PS3. Yeah, it came out on the PS3, and then towards the end part of the PS, basically towards the beginning part and probably towards the middle, if the PS4 is when Mortal Kombat 10 came out, and then Mortal Kombat 11 came out. A year or a year or two ago. I don't remember since I didn't play it. I played the last two. But as you know, that's how the lore went. Where just went when Mortal Kombat 9 came out, it went back in time towards this tournament. And that's what happened. So that's what happened there. So this is this is a new way of them doing it. This one was supposed to be more gorier and Try to keep a little bit more in close to the lore as they could, but also taking their own twists and turns on it. And that's how we're going to do it. Now, this is how we're going to start it. So the first part starts off for the first seven, eight, nine minutes. We get um, the Shira Ryu clan. If you don't know who the Shira Ryu clan, they are a legion of ninjas that are under the command of Hanzo Asashi. If you know who Hanzo Asashi is, you know who he is. Um, I'm just going to say it right here because, like I said, this is a big spoiler. So, for basically, for the later on parts of the movie, um, he's Scorpion. But he doesn't become Scorpion until later. He and his clan are just living out peacefully. And nothing's going on until their clan is attacked by the Lin Kuei. Uh, basically another clan of ninjas or warriors 
which is basically the Shirayu are Japanese, the Lin Kuei, I think, are Chinese. I think if I, if I remember correctly, because Sub-Zero, also known as Bihan, is a Chinese man. I actually looked it up. He's actually Chinese. So the Lin Kuei killed all of the people of the Shirayu, while Sub-Zero kills the family of Hanzo Asashi. And, you know, Hanzo wipes out the, the invaders who come... He wipes them out, and then he faces off against Bihan. They duke it out, but Bihan overwhelms him due to him being older, uh, like probably a younger fighter than Hanzo, and then basically Hanzo is beaten and killed. But in a sense, they were able to su survive. The Shirai was basically massacred and wiped out. At least that's what you would think. But at one little spot, a baby was saved. And baby was stayed off by the mother and the eldest son. And what happens is they save the baby. And in course, you know, hear the baby's cries as he's basically after death's door knocking. Um, Hanzo Sashi tries to get there, but ends up dying. But he gets taken into hell. It's very weird because it just doesn't under, it's not really understood how he really got taken into hell, but it's just kind of like he just turned to flame and then went to hell. And then that's basically what happened. And you know Raiden comes, you know, he shows up, which the creator, the guy who played Raiden did a phenomenal job. I like the way he played it, really good. Um he takes the young baby and then he dips out. So we get we get a fast forward into the current time. This happened like years ago. Happened years ago. So that's what happens. Now we're in present day with the, the new character Cole Young. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to say this right here and right now because I'm going to give my little inputs here and there. Like I always do. Cole Young is a new character that's created. Now, I know a lot of people had the mixed feelings about Cole Young, but as I'm always going to say this, Mortal Kombat has always added new characters all the time. So when I hear fans basically say that, it, that stuff like, oh, well, they're not staying true to the Lord and all this other stuff. Why are all these new characters being made? Remember in Mortal Kombat Armageddon, you played as, oh, what was his name? Taman. And you fight off against his brother, Diego, Diego, Diego something. I know he had a big ass fucking scar on his face. I think he was part of the Red Dragon or something like that. And you had to face off against him and beat him up. That's what happens. That's a different character. Mortal Kombat 10, you're not playing as some of the main cast. You're playing as their children, which is like Takeda, the son of Kenji. Uh, the son of the no, the daughter of uh, Jack Bridge, Jack Briggs, um, Jackie. You play uh, the daughter of Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade, Cassie Cage, and then you just got a uh, Kun Jin, which he's not really a. He's just a follower of the of Kun Lao and Liu Kang's uh, fellowship. You know. That's that's just me being truthful about it. Um, 
you know, like, that was a whole new batch of new characters. Like, new characters always get made every so often, whether in the movie or in the TV show. Um, it happens all the time. For the people who don't know, there was a TV show called Mortal Kombat Conquest. I know I'm getting a little sidetracked, but I just want to get this out. Like, there was a great Kung Lao, then it was just two people on his side. Zoro and... I forget the little chick name, but they were just two characters basically made. That's... It, characters get made all the time. So, I, I don't like the fact that people say that, that that doesn't make any sense. They make characters all the time. They've been doing it for many years. It's how some of your characters got made. And some of the characters I'm going to talk about actually got brought up in at various different spots. So... We're going to go ahead and get back into it. Now, our guy Cole Young is a former MMA champion, but he's just kind of like, he's basically not it anymore. He's just like a, like a veteran warrior, but he's not, he's not it anymore. As he basically gets his, he's doing okay at one part, then ends up losing real bad. But we got our guy Jax showing up, you know, scoping him out and then asking him about like uh, a tattoo. And so what ends up happening, he sees the Mortal Kombat logo, the dragon. And he's like, okay, 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 okay. But what ends up happening, you know, he lets him go. But he's telling him with his family. Sub-Zero shows up. Sub-Zero shows up and basically is trying to kill Cole Young. Because this is what the Outworld uh, Warriors have been doing so far. to To prevent any extra warriors from basically showing up and doing anything about the tournament they've been killing the, they've been killing them little by little over the years like what happened with uh, Hanzo Asashi and Shiro Ryu they were killed before their tournament could start which I'm thinking probably he was around the same time when the great Kun Lao was, was alive and that's probably what happened. So um, I'm just I'm just I'm just speculating. I, I don't really know because this little information of how this movie's doing it. So that's how we, that's what happens. So they get attacked. Jack shows up, saves them temporarily until he drives down a certain alleyway, and then he sees Sub Zero. And he basically tells him, you need to get out of here and you need to find my my counterpart, Sonya Blade. And then Jax basically goes out there and he tries to pick a fight with Sub-Zero. A man, basically, who can manipulate ice with, uh, I think, a, it's a shotgun, but I don't know. I forgot the type of shotgun it was, but he basically tried to shoot Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero just froze the gun. And the bullets and destroyed it. Sorry, I had to take a sip real quick. It, it just... He tried to put up a good fight, but you can kind of tell that he could... He could do a little something against Sub-Zero. But like he said, yeah, I'm, I've, I've done six tours because he was Special Forces. And he thought he could handle him. But he the thing is, Sub-Zero is a guy who basically 
has been training for like <laughs> over centuries and millenniums and can freeze things. So he, he did the best he could. He tried to fend the ball, but eventually Jackson was just getting overpowered. He was getting tossed around. I think he got us. He, he was getting beat bad until basically he threw a last punch and got it twisted. They tried to throw another punch until Sub-Zero basically brought the man on his knees and was freezing his arms all the way up until almost his shoulder. I'd probably say give him like probably six, seven inches. And Sub-Zero destroyed his arms and basically just knocked him off, knocked him off this abandoned building, bouncing him off one leg. One layer to like one of the bottom layers, and he just left him there. I mean, he had no real reason more to, to do anything else. I mean, <laughs> he thought basically he killed the man. I mean, even if he didn't kill him, he defeated him. There was no reason for him to, to do anything else to him. My man had, doesn't have any arms, so he just left him there. Then you get we're getting little cameos from other characters. Uh, we get a slight cameo from, uh, Melina, which, you know, she, she doing her little part, but I don't know. Whew. It was okay. Then, you know, Cole goes find Sonya Blade. We got our good man, Kano. And what we, we get to see is like different characters, even though there's a little, um, cameo spots for two people. We get to see Hanzo Asashi again in, you know, like a slight illustration. If you don't catch it in the movies, I mean, I got to watch it on my HBO Max thing, like I did with Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, you actually see a quick picture of Nightwolf. And it's like, I don't know, I guess they use a Nightwolf like he's been, he fought in the past. And, you know, he lost. Then you got a guy, Kano, talking about, yeah, I got this little marking right here, but that's only because I killed the guy who originally had it. Like, so that's basically it. So Cole and Kano have the, the dragon marking, and the dragon marking can be basically passed on if you kill the, the current wearer of the dragon marking. So it's probably the same way, same way what happened with Jax. Jax probably fought and got it, from the fact that the fact of, you know, he killed somebody else who had the dragon marking and then he got it like that. Sonya had a chance to get it, but she didn't take it. But, you know, our guy Shang Tsung sitting here and said, they're all kind of weak. You know, shoot, we should send somebody to go get them. And they send the lizard. Now, I looked it up. They called it one thing, but they never actually gave it the title. But apparently, it's supposed to be reptile. But I'm guessing it's, or maybe like one of the brethren of reptile. I don't really know, but we're just going to call it reptile because when I looked it up, they said it was reptile. And even though I don't believe it's reptile, I'm just going to go with, with the information telling me and just say he's reptile just to make it easy. But if there is another one that comes out a few years later and it's not Reptile, just understand what I'm saying um, right here. It's what they listed it as a little bit that it was Reptile. So I'm just going off of what I got. 
Um, so the reptile basically attacks them. Now, it it's tossing Sonya and it's tossing Cole because they're kind of like low-level fighters all over the place. It scratch. It calls Kano's face because you got to remember Kano is a dragon marking wear. So they're trying to fend it off. Now they end up getting a few marks on it. You know, his blood is acid. And what ends up happening, you know, they're, they're fending him off a little bit, little by little. But, you know, they need help. And Kano basically gets, gets free and actually starts to fight it. Until basically, you know, you know, they're doing the best they can. Basically, they stab it and everything else. They're, they're beating it up pretty good. Until Kano pulls out his old signature move. He rips out the heart of, of Reptile. And then, you know, he says Kano wins. You know, it's kind of like giving you like those random like uh, them Easter eggs. Or, you know, like the nostalgic moments where... They would say Kano, Kano wins, and then that's what that's what would happen, and that's pretty much what happened for the most part for that part. And then we get, you know, we get a look. We're just gonna be fast forwarding a little bit. We get to see Liu Kang approach and find our three, our three little warriors, and he. <laughs> He is Kano with a Dragon Ball. Well, Dragon Fire. And so that's what happens to him. And it was okay. But it's it's kind of like, but I guess people were kind of like complaining, saying that Liu Kang wasn't like big, big. Which I think this guy was, he was muscular. But it's like they were looking for him to be kind of like bigger muscular. Like uh, Robbie, like Robin Cho, who played the original Liu Kang and Mortal Kombat 1995 and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Even in some of the games, Liu Kang is kind of like a big guy. Like, which is, it's always going to be hard to find somebody to to be that kind of size. I'm not going to lie. I'm just being honest. I think it was, it was always going to be hard to find somebody of that size to play Liu Kang. So I think the guy they picked... Did do okay. He did really good for his for his uh his attempt at Liu Kang. Like it was actually I like the way that they portrayed him in this one as well. So we go to this, they find Lord Raiden. Lord Raiden basically tells him You people are ass. Like <laughs> he straight up just looks at them and just says, You people are ass. Like, and then Kano, like, tries to talk shit, but then Kano gets hit with lightning. It's kind of fucked up, because Kano's basically, like, the human punching bag for the guys with special abilities. <laughs> like, he gets he gets hit, he gets beat up <laughs> by Reptile. Gets a knife thrown at him by Sonya Blade, and then gets hit with a, a ball of fire by Liu Kang, and it gets hit. With lightning by by Raiden, <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. He's just kind of getting he's kind of getting his ass beat a little bit over and over. But you know that's basically what happens. And so basically they're saying, you know, you're you're we're all gonna lose. 
we're not gonna do anything. So Luke Cage basically has to help them fight. Now Luke Cage just like just chilling. We even get to see Jack, Jacks, um, in the infirmary with his no arms. They're basically putting on like, I guess you could say mechanical parts on him, which is cool. But it's like when you see it later, it's kind of like, what the fuck is that? And it was always weird. So I didn't understand what they were trying to go for until they explained it. Basically, they said something about Arcadum. Because during this part, before this part happens, Shang Tsung arrives with Sub-Zero and Melina trying to basically wipe out the other forces of Earthrealm, which is basically Liu Kang and this ragtag group of fighters. Now, you probably wonder why I said Liu Kang um, and why I didn't include them. It's just because... Liu Kang's the only one who has his Arcadium or basically hidden ability awakened. The rest of them is kind of like light work. Because all it's going to take is for Sub-Zero basically to walk up on them and just be like, freeze. And Melita could just do what she does best and just rip them apart. It would be no need. It would be no need for them. And so the only person who really will be able to fight is him. So... I mean, and he he comes up against Sub-Zero first. He tries to initially strike Sub-Zero, but misses. Sub-Zero strikes him with an ice ball, sends him flying. And then, luckily, he gets saved by Kun Lao, um, the descendant of the great Kun Lao. He, he saves him. I like Kun Lao's character. I really liked his character. He, he did a good job at his character. I ain't going to lie. His character actually was, to me, was on point. Like, out of the other few characters, his character was, was like, on point. I liked it. I liked it. I liked his character. It was really on point. But let's get back to it. Ooh, let me do this real quick. Forget. Um, That's it. Uh, So, Raiden erects a barrier to save them from being killed. And that's basically what happens. So as they're training, they're being told, you got to weaken your Arcadum. And they're telling Sonya Blade, there's no point of you even being here. You don't have one. You don't have the Dragon Market, so you, wouldn't, you won't be able to awaken it anyway. So it'd be pointless for her to even try. And so she leaves and basically checks on Jack. You know, get him up to speed and get him up to training as he's awakened. You know, he's freaked out. He's like, yes, you know, he, he lost his real arms. He got these little, these, <laughs> these small metal, like, metal replacements. That's basically what happened. So, so basically, Cole and freaking Kano are getting beat up on the whole time. They're getting beat up on by Liu Kang and, and Kun Lao. Which is bad because basically those two are the only two who actually awaken the Arcadum. So basically they're they're the biggest threat right now. But even Luke Kane's looking at Kun Lao like, look, this guy's the truth. Like without him, we we we'll, we won't be able to have really a big fighting chance. Which I'm probably thinking so since Kun Lao basically is probably the strongest out of all of the the current warriors. Um, so it's 
little sidebars being made and they end up awaking Kano's um Arcadum, which is his eye laser. Because if you know from the lore, Kano has has had the eye laser, but no one has actually used it in none of the movie adaptations. Um, well, they could use it in Annihilation because he got killed in Mortal Kombat, the first one. Even in uh, the other one, it, I think it was, was it Rebirth? I think it was Rebirth. Um, it was something, I forget. But basically, this is the first time that you actually see, you actually see the, the actual eye laser being used the whole time. Like, I'm, I'm being honest with you. It's been used in the games and stuff like that. But it's never been used in the movies before. That's what I liked about this. They're actually bringing some abilities that didn't get used before into this one. So, that's what happened. That's what happened here. Now, they're, they're trying to get Cole to awaken his because he's the last. He's the second to last one left. They probably are counting out Jax, but they probably think Jax will probably get it later on after a little bit more training and him believing in himself a little bit more that he would be able to awaken it. But Raiden has grown impatient with Cole because he's just like, you're too weak. You're, you don't have the strength to actually awaken it. There's no point in me even trying with you. So he sends Cole back. He's just like, he just like, get the fuck out. For the, for the descendant of someone known as the great ninja of Hanzo Wasashi, you do your family a disjustice. Get out. And he said he, he didn't believe that he was a great ninja's um, son or basically descendant of him. Um, he said, bro, I freaking picked you up. I picked up your 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 descendants, um, your, your great ancestor, and I took them and I hid them here. And then I let them go, and then boom, boom, boom. That's how you're here. But it was a waste of time because you are useless. He sends him back home. He just get the fuck out. There's, there's no point. <laughs> I don't know if that was planned or if he just decided, like, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll awaken it out of here. But it's, it's no point. We ain't got a whole lot of time. But we get to see the recruitment of everyone. The people that uh, that uh, Shang Sun has chosen to be his warriors, and that's what happens. So we see Sub Zero, we see Melina, we see Cabal. Which, if you don't understand who Cabal is, Cabal is another member of the Black Dragon, but was betrayed by Kano and ends up like in that basically big ass suit. And you actually, I actually like the attention to detail where they kind of show him being burnt. And so that's the reason why he's in the suit. All right. Sorry about that. I had to take a little, um, take a little minute because I had something I had to do real quick. But we're back. So that's Cabal. We get General Raiko, who actually, yes, he is a real character because I know some people are going to ask, is he a real character? General Raiko was included in Mortal Kombat 4. And you actually can see, he mostly had a lot of cameos and stuff like that. Like, I think in Deadly Alliance and Mortal Kombat 10. But he, he actually could play his character in Mortal Kombat uh, Armageddon. But he mostly was not really, he's one of those characters that he's there, but he's not really used a lot of. 
And then another character that is used, um, Natara. Natara is a huntress, but she's a vampire huntress. Yes, she is a real character. She's actually included in Deadly Alliance and probably also in Armageddon as well. She's a character that's also not really used all that often. So in case if you played the last three games, you really wouldn't know much about these two characters unless you actually played pay close attention to them. Um, but they're not really, they're kind of characters that I basically could already tell these motherfuckers is just going to be used for cannon fodder. Like, they're not really going to have a lot of, a lot of big purpose. That's basically what I said. And I, I, and I didn't mean just to say it like that, but it's basically what I've always noticed when characters are just brought out randomly. Um, so that's what it is. So, and I can't forget about the big man himself. Cannot forget about the big man himself. They got our man Goro showing up because he basically, you know, he's the champion. He's the champion. He's the current champion. I think it's either. Yeah, I think it's him. He's the current champion because he's the one who killed the great Kung Lao and one of the previous ones before. So that's basically what happens. So, whew. It's, it's really hard because basically they, they know that they can probably win, but, you know, Outworld has basically been, in a sense, been cheating because basically what they've been doing is they've been going to Elf, Elf, uh, Earthrealm to basically kill all the greatest warriors so that they could, they could help establish more of an of a Outworld win. Because think about it. There's not many warriors out there. How are they really going to win if they can't win without their greatest warriors like Nightwolf? Because I'm probably pretty sure thinking Nightwolf probably was a strong warrior too, but he got killed as well. And I also think they showed a little cameo of Katara with her fan. So we don't know. Maybe she was killed as well, or maybe she was captured. They never really established that point right there. But want to go back into it. Basically, I think what's happening is Shang Tsung wants to attack them again. Cabal basically suggests, was there a skulky guy like Kano around? They said, yes, he was there. He said, we're going to get Kano to betray them and we'll be able to kill them there. Does happen. Cabal catches Kano, sees him, boom, boom. He gets him to betray them by destroying the staff of Raiden. And then once that the staff gets destroyed... All of Shang Tsung's warriors show up. Everybody. And they basically pick a fight with everybody and just start whooping everybody's tail. General Raiko is beating up on Jax. Cabal is beating up on Liu Kang. Uh, Sonya Blade is getting beat up on by, by Melina. And Nitara is just flying around. Uh, it is bad. Everyone's getting beat up on and so it's it's really bad because like no one no one could put up a fight against these guys because Cabal's too fast for Liu Kang and Cole can't do nothing. So like they're all trying, but well, Cole's not there. Cole's trying because he has to fight against fucking Goro. A Shokan with four arms and the current champion of Mortal Kombat. And he has to duke it out with him. 
Hey, he's trying. He's doing the best he can, but... Well, not really. I'm lying right there. He's not doing the best he can. He can't really do shit against him because the motherfucker's strong and he's got four arms. And so he just get beat up on. It really takes the help of his wife actually coming to his assistance, his assistance and stabbing Goro in the side for him to even have like a chance against actually fighting Goro. Because he really does, he does no real damage to Goro. Like, he probably gets a, a few licks, but they're not, like, really doing anything to Goro. So, it's like, he's doing all this for naught. He's doing this for nothing. He doesn't stand a chance against fighting Goro. Because Goro is too strong for him. Especially because, I said previously, he has not wakened his Arcadium. And so, they're all fighting. And so, it's kind of pointless for them to all fight because they're not going to win. I mean, the only one who really gets to inflict any real damage are the two people. These two people, but we're going to get to it. Now, Cole awakens his Arcadum because his family's trying to save him, but he can't really be, protect them until he awakens his Arcadum to save his family. And so, yeah, he's still getting beat up on even after he awakens it, but he kind of gets like a... He kind of gets like a, like a certain blade... It's kind of like a, I'm going to call it like a sickle, like a, a forearm sickle, where basically it goes to the extent of the forearm, but it's like, it's, it's like that. So it's like, he can probably cut with it. He can cut up and down with it. If he can probably get like slashes, then he got like a little stick, like, um, I forgot the name of it, but it's like, it's like a club, but you know, they can hold it with one hand. They can use it to block and they can also use it. Like it's kind of like if he was throwing an elbow, I don't know the name of it. But, you know, he's fighting Goro with these two weapons. After waking his Arcadum, which is Arcanum is a freaking... I'm actually not going to lie. That was kind of an ass pull right there. Like, I could have more so accepted it if it was just like... If he, like... Care like, like... Uh, like, if it just came like, like from his inner chest or something like that. And it was just like, okay. It, it was birthed from the fact that, you know, his ancient bloodline... It came off the fact of like some fucking string, like some string thing made by his daughter, and that's how it was awakened. I don't know. I kind of call bullshit on that one. I thought that was kind of bullshit. I ain't like that. And so that's just me. That's just me being me. Like the, all the threads basically go across his body, and it gives him like a like some armament, like. So he's end up he's fighting Goro in his armament, but basically every time he gets hit, he takes some damage. He can use it as a recoil shot and deal out damage. Like one of the the things that kept being said, throw an uppercut, throws an uppercut, gives Goro makes Goro bleed for the first time. Him and Goro duking it out some more until basically he actually cuts off Goro's hand with his with his uh forearm sickle, and then basically he ends up cutting Goro dead in the chest. I'm talking about right there in the chest. And Goro's trying to, to give out one last ditch effort before being stabbed in the face, right in his, right in his eye, and being and having his intestines fall out. And he goes down. My thoughts on that fight, that's kind of ass. You made the current champion go down in some weak-ass manner. And I didn't agree with that. I did not agree with that. Because... 
And I know why they did it, because it was to make him look more important, make him look stronger. But part of me kind of wishes someone like someone like Kung Lao would have fought him. It's it's kind of it's kind of one of the moments where if you, you a little bit picky, I gotta be a little nitpicky here. Everything else I was okay with a little bit to an extent. But you made a strong warrior get his ass whooped against another guy who's kind of like, eh, I just wake in this shit and I just beat you. It's, it's kind of one of them dumb, dumb Hollywood shit I'm kind of getting kind of tired over. That should have been the Kun Lao, the great Kun Lao's descendant, Kun Lao fighting him. I would have more so accepted that. I did not like that. I did not like that at all. I still don't like that. Because Kun Lao fights Nitara, and basically, she's just flying around trying to get like a good attack, and Kun Lao just focuses, catches her after he though He basically threw his his uh his his hat trying to kill Shang Sun or Sub Zero misses and gets his hat summons his hat after catching on the top of Natara throws it into the ground starts his mentality move which you know basically it's him dragging his opponent into his into his hat and I'm cutting him in half now she basically flies right dead into because he pushes her into it and she gets cut right down the middle. I'm like, okay, that was nice. That's kind of nice, but still, that doesn't make up for what you did. It's kind of like, you made him kill Cannon Fodder. And everybody else is still getting their ass whooped. And so, everybody's basically, because Lord Radiant pulls up, and he's just like, it's time to get the hell out of here. Um, um, because what ends up happening, you know, it's nothing that nobody really can do. Because Sonya Blade's basically been beaten by Melina. And Melina's saying, this this ain't even a chosen one. Her death is nothing. And Melina just leaves her on the ground. Because she's like, there's no point in her fighting you. She needs to fight somebody who's actually worth it. And we got Kano, who tries to bury uh, Jackson Sonya. Um... By, by by actually burying them underneath material and Jack save, tries to save her but he can't save her because his arms are, are basically too weak until that's when he wakes his arcane and gets his actual true mechanical arms still kind of ass on, on your part but I, I know what they're trying to do make him awaken his arcade by giving him the true arms he's supposed to have and they went with that route he saves Sonya they try to get out of here but Kung Lao is killed by having his soul sucked out by by Shang Tsung. You know, your soul is mine. It, <laughs> it, it basically has a soul taken. And so Kung Lao is defeated. And so that's the only... They lost their greatest weapon. Yes, they acquired two more with Cole awakening his Arcadium and Jax awakening his Arcadium. But it's kind of like, you don't really have much. And so, what ends up happening is, they have to they have to do something. They have to do something. And they have to basically fight them, like, in, like, apart. So, each warrior has a particular task. 
Jax is going to fight General Raikou. Liu Kang and Cole are going to fight Melina and Cabal. And Sonya is going to fight Kano. Now, the first fight we really get to see is Jack versus General Raikou. And it's kind of like a one-man slaughter. And I kind of had to figure it out. I said, General Raikou's ass looks very fucking familiar. It's very fucking familiar. And the minute I seen his face when he started doing, he started yelling and shit, I said, that's fucking Nathan Jones. Hey, if you know Nathan Jones, you know Nathan Jones is beginning his ass whooped in movies. This man is probably one of the few people I'm going to say it right now. This man gets paid to get his ass whooped. It was in Jet Li's Fearless movie. It was in Donnie's It Man number... Was it two? No. It was one of the movies. No. I'm thinking of Michael John White in in uh, Never Back Down 3. Then he got his ass whooped in that one too. I'm like, this man gets professionally paid to get his ass whooped. I know why I said uh said it, man. I'm thinking of what was that? I think that was Tony Ja. Tony Ja fought his ass too. I'm like, this man is gonna professionally get paid to get his ass whooped. I'm sorry. I ain't got no beef with Nathan Jones, but it's like I know when he's playing the character, his character is about to look great. But back on track, man. Back on track. It it was really bad. It was really bad. But Nathan Jones, Army General Ryko, basically gets beaten until he gets put on the ground. And this man Jack's open hands claps this man's <laughs> I'm talking about he just straight like if you happen to you know what clap your hands straight claps and crushes his skull and it's just like okay 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 I got you that's cool that's cool that's cool but if we're, we're getting honest about it, let's get back to the rest of it Sonya basically kills Kano and I'm not really going to talk about that one too much um, you know, she takes out his arcade eye, you know, after taking that out, he's basically nothing. And she basically, you know, she kills him. And in doing so, when she kills him, she basically, she gets his dragon marking. Now, Cabal and Liu Kang are duking it out again until Liu Kang basically hits him with the, the dragon kicks, the you know, the repeated kicks he keeps kicking somebody with until he launches Cabal into this this pit. Now, Cabal can't really get out of it. And then Liu Kang activates his, his power, releases the dragon, and the dragon basically rain comes down and just straight goes down and just burns Cabal. Like, he bites him and burns him. And so Cabal dies that way. Like, it's really no point in me even talking about this fight like that. Cause it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like they really didn't they really do them too justice like that. They just turn and then Melina's fighting. She's fighting. She's put up a good better fight with Cole, but Cole can't really keep up with her because even though he knocks her away, she teleports again. She teleports, and then and then he just she pops back on him. Now. Sonya Blade gets summoned again to basically help out because, you know, she's probably already beat. I think she beats her opponent first, and that's why she appears first. And so she starts to run up and try to find their location. And 
Melina actually rips her face open to actually reveal her true face. And, and you know, she tries to basically bite Cole. And what ends up happening is Sonya sees it, sees an opening, shoots Melina dead in the middle of the chest, and destroys her whole middle chest cavity, giving an old radish special. Because <laughs> basically she, she used her mentality. Liu Kang actually says mentality on freaking Cabal. I think Kung La... No, I think I say Luke. I meant to say Luke Kang says fatality took a ball. Kung La says flawless victory to to Natara. So yeah, they did add, add some of the the wordage from uh, Mortal Kombat in there. But you know, basically all the warriors of darkness have been taken out except Sub Zero. Sub Zero basically stalks <laughs> the bloodline again, and it, it's very weird because he's just standing there at the door like, yeah, your ass is next. And he does the same thing to, um, you know, the bloodline again to Cole's family. He puts him in a thing of ice. He gets Cole to come. And Cole and him are fighting again. But this time Cole's blood ends up on the same kunai that was used by Hanzo Asashi. Because the whole time in the movie, you're getting flashes of Hanzo inhale like at random points you see him like just inhale and it's just like he's trying to basically he's just waiting for his opportunity for to basically get out to get out and it just required i guess it required one thing the blood of his of his descendant to release him and what ends up happening you know You know, at, Cole's getting beat bad. And so, like I just said, what ends up happening is Scorpion comes out and pulls and ends up pulling Sub-Zero away from him. And he actually has to get over here a lot better. I actually like this one. Because it, it was like it was actually more grittier. And he hits it and pulls him and, and shows him, like, you know who I am. And, you know, he said, I've been waiting in hell to get your ass. He said, my name is Scorpion now. And then they duke it out. Now, they're actually duking it out for real, for real. And, you know, you get the little preview from the film where, you know, the ice sword is made. You know, everything's being made and stuff like that. And then, you know, him being sent to the ice wall. It was cool. And it, it was pretty cool. I actually liked it. I like the way they did that fight. And it actually, I'm glad it took the, the combined efforts of Cole, the Descendant, versus the Ancestor. And they both they basically started giving the work to Sub-Zero. So even where Sub-Zero was like, for the Lin Kuei, he's still trying to fight. But it's like, there's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do. He just, he ends up getting the work. He gets the work. And basically, it's kind of like he's doing the the finish him like stance, you know, where they're, they're always like they're wailing and stuff like that until basically <laughs> old Scorpion said, I went to hell. Now I control the hellfire and basically burns him with hellfire. And I liked it. I guess 
I guess to me, I think I would like that scene a little bit more if it's kind of like he dragged him to hell and then burned him, burned him up in there. I think I would have liked that a little better, but you know, you can't get everything you want. And so Hanzo Asashi, AKA Scorpion looks at Cole and says, protect the Hasashi bloodline. And you know, I think he goes back to hell again. And so everybody appears and we even get our guy, Shang Tsung, talk about, we, you may have beaten us this time, but you, but we will not fail. And as he takes away Scorpion's, um, why the fuck did I say Scorpion? Sub-Zero. He takes his body away. Takes his body away, gets him out of there, and he leaves. He said, we will be back. So, with that being said, that means basically right now, you know, Shang Tsung has to get new fighters again because he has to think about it. He can't really beat these guys right now, which I'm thinking they're going to go the Deadly Alliance route uh, again, which is probably get Quan Chi. They do another one. It's going to be Quan Chi there, and they're going to kill Liu Kang. I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but it'd be pretty damn funny if they went that route. But right now, they're just celebrating their little victory. But they do know one, know one thing. They need more warriors. And so right now, the person they're going to go find is our best buddy. The people everybody was mad at. And basically, as I say, it's a spoiler. They're going to go find Johnny Cage in Hollywood. And that's where the movie ends. Now, like I just said, I'm just going to be honest about it. I know people really wanted, they really wanted, uh, um, they really wanted Johnny Cage to be in here, but I think they wanted to save it for another part because I'm thinking he probably would have been there, but them at with the, the, um, the Warner Brothers people probably wanted another character to be added added instead and so they had to basically work around bringing in another character and so that's what happens so that's what I believe that's what I believe I believe that's why they did it they did it so that they brought him in and so they're going to basically bring in the um they're going to bring in a Johnny Cage in the next one. If there is a next one. We, we, we don't know. But. As. I'm saying this. People want to also want to talk about. You brought a Melina but you didn't bring a Katara. If you look at it you see Katara's fan. In the thing. So I don't know. They may bring her into the next one. I have no idea. But we'll have to wait and see. But overall. This one. It wasn't corny like Godzilla versus Kong. Like, it did try to keep you more entertained a little bit more, but it's just kind of like it was having these moments where it was like the opening scene goes up and then kind of goes down, and it just kind of like stays it for me. Then it goes up again, then kind of goes down again. Then it kind of just goes up again and it stays there, and it just kind of like then it's just like you know it reaches that it kind of ends it like where it's like you know the movie's about to end at this point. But I don't know. A little bit better, but like I said, I got a little Christ with it because 
you kind of turn a guy like Goro, a damn champion, into kind of some the building blocks for character development for kind of another character. Or I would have much preferred if that had been somebody else. That's just me. That's just me being me. But it is what it is. But I give this movie probably like 7.5, maybe an 8. I don't know. If there is an uh, extended version of this, it has to come out. Because the extended version will probably do this a little bit more justice. But I don't know. Warner Brothers does be acting kind of funny sometimes. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But that's really my thoughts on it. Like, um, characters that just being brought back, you kind of knew they were going to die. Uh, characters not really, it wasn't really distributed like very, very well, which I think that's what makes it kind of hard because it went from Mortal Kombat being about the tournament. The tournament never even happened. And I guess it's, I guess that's a new angle that they want to tra- take, but I have to wait and see if there's a second one. And yeah, second one probably will come out in a couple years. Um, that's just me, but I, I have to wait and see about that. But that's just my thoughts about it. It was an okay, all right movie, but it wasn't one of those movies like it was over the top. Like I would watch it 10 times. I probably would still watch the, the first Mortal Kombat. I probably would even watch Annihilation again, but Annihilation, no, no, let me stop lying. I don't really want to watch Annihilation like that again. Annihilation was cool, but not like that. But that's, that's really about it guys. So that's it for me. For today's episode, this is the review for Mortal Kombat. Like I said, the highest rating is going to get for me in an 8. And it's kind of like one of them low 8s. So it's that's about it for me. So with that being said, y'all know what to do. Like and share the content. Make sure to follow it. Because that really helps us get on an algorithm and better podcast each and every single day. And if you want to chat up with me, send me new ideas. Tell me that, you know, I need to add something else. Or I, I missed something. Or take something out that you don't think it's really all that good, be sure to hit me up on anchor.fm at the Mr. Shaw Show podcast, and I'll catch y'all next time. Later.